What's up, Crave? All right, applause is always welcome. It is the third and final week of our series, Spirit. Uh, We started off back in week one talking about the presence of the Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is here with us. He's our comforter, He's our advocate, He's our guide. And then last week, Robsy talked about the peace that comes from having the Spirit in our lives. And in a world that is both figuratively and literally on fire, what a time to rely on the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. Tonight, we're going to wrap it up. We'll talk about the power of the Spirit. But before I get into that, I do want to remind you, we're going to continue talking about the Spirit in a book study. So if you're interested in being a part of that with us, You can pick up your copy of this book. It's called Forgotten God. It's by an author named Francis Chan. You can grab a copy for about 10, 12 bucks. And here's what we're going to do. Beginning on Wednesday, November 4th. That's Wednesday, November 4th. That evening at about 7.30, we'll have a Zoom call set up. And all you have to have done at that point is read the first chapter. And you log in with us. And we'll just kind of go around the horn, share our thoughts talk about what the Spirit illuminated to us from these writings on the Holy Spirit. Um, There's plenty of Scripture to go over. I'm really excited about that. And whether there are 20 of you or 2 of you who want to participate, this is happening. So grab your copy of Forgotten God. Uh, We'll keep reminding you on social media. We'll keep talking about it. But Wednesday, November 4th, we're going to start going over this book. You've still got time to get your copy and to read the first chapter and be ready to come and discuss that with those of us who are going to do that. So hope that you'll consider joining us. Tonight we are, we are talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, and I just really want to read a lot of Scripture tonight. And I want to start uh, with Romans 15, 13. This is a prayer that Paul prayed, uh, and, and I think it's fitting. And, I, and this has my, been my prayer for you all week as I've prepared. It reads, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of of the Holy Spirit. So as I've been praying for you, as I've been thinking about this, hope, joy, peace, these things that I think all of us would say we want, they can come when we place our trust in Christ and it comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. These things don't just happen by accident. Paul prays in a different place, actually over in Ephesians 1. He continues to pray for for the church. He says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. My prayer is that you would understand this power. We sing this song, right? The same power that that conquered the grave lives in me you're familiar with that lyric comes from this verse the same power that resurrected christ from the dead is available to the sons and daughters of god that power is available to you if you hear nothing else i say tonight hear this and look right at me the power is available to you it's not just reserved for professional christians pastors or missionaries the holy spirit wants to empower you so that you can be used in powerful ways for the kingdom for you and and you got to ask yourself do i 
believe that. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. I'd have you turn your attention to the last words that we have recorded from Christ. This is Acts 1.8. This is a very popular missions verse. I've used it myself on mission trips. It's the last thing Jesus says before he ascends back to the Father. He is talking to his followers and he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That last part there translates as roughly where you are now, the immediately surrounding areas, and then to the ends of the earth. This is not just for the people who heard Christ speak those words. These are words that are true for you and for me. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we will go and be witnesses. Now, you know what a witness does. You've probably seen enough crime shows, law and order type shows where you know a witness, they get up and they testify. They talk about things that they've seen, that they've heard, and that they have personally experienced. And it can't be something that's secondhand. That's called hearsay. It has to be something personal. And so Jesus is saying, you will go and you will tell people what you have seen, heard, and experienced for yourself. And I would just ask you to think about When's the last time you had a Christ-centered conversation? When's the last time you brought Jesus up? Not just on a Sunday afternoon here. I'm talking about in the middle of the week, at home, at work, at school. Are you being a witness for Christ? Now, what I think happens for some of us is this. We fear that maybe our message would be offensive And we fear that maybe our message is exclusive. And so because we don't want to offend anybody with what we believe, we just never say anything at all. And what can wind up happening, and I've seen this and you've seen this, is Christians can sometimes come across as just very weak, kind of doormat people. We just let everybody walk on us because we don't want to offend anybody. And what I would tell you is when I read the Scriptures, when I study, nowhere do I see us described as weak In fact, you've already seen tonight, you'll continue to see tonight, this idea of being empowered by the Spirit. Now, there's another word that we confuse with weak, and that word is meek. In the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. But there's a huge chasm between weak and meek. Weak is an absence of power. There is no power. Meek is power under control. Jesus was not weak. Think about the things you know that he did. Controlling the wind and the waves. Demonstrating his power over the laws of physics. Perceiving what's in the hearts and minds of the people around him. That's not not weak. Jesus had incredible power, but it was under control. You think about Jesus in the garden when they came to arrest him and Peter, being Peter, slashes off the ear of the high priest's servant. He's like, let's fight. And Jesus is like, hold up. I can stop all of this like that. I have all the power to command the armies of heaven and yet my power is under control. I'm not going to choose to do that. What am I trying to say to you today? You do not have to walk around and apologize for what you believe. Now, you don't have to beat people over the head with it either. You don't have to be aggressive or mean or ugly, but you don't have to apologize for being a Christ follower. And more and more, it seems like the teachings of this book, 
don't make people very happy. And it's not always lockstep with what society says is appropriate or in or whatever. And I'm just telling you, as a Christ follower, your power comes from the Holy Spirit, not from the approval of man. We've got to be willing to believe that because only then will we walk in that power and truly be witnesses. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'd love to be a witness, but I have no idea what to say. Raise your hand if you've ever felt that way. Hey, I want to tell people more about Jesus. I just have no idea how to even start that. Raise them up high. Look around the room. You are not alone. You don't have to feel like, I I know I'm the only person here who has no idea how to talk about Jesus. No. There's a lot of us in this room. And that goes for me. I have family members and friends who don't know Christ, and it can be difficult and awkward trying to look for a way to bring up things of the faith, to bring up Jesus, to bring up Scripture. But I want to show you this verse from Luke 12. I think this is super helpful for us. In Luke 12, Jesus is talking to his disciples actually about being in a way more difficult situation than sitting around the dinner table talking about Jesus. He's talking about being arrested and put on trial and their lives being threatened. And this is what he tells them. When you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before the rulers and the authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. The Holy Spirit will give you those words. Now, I want to give you kind of a footnote to this. Raise your hand if you have ever gone to take a test, and right before that test, you prayed a prayer like, Dear God, if you help me pass this test... I will literally do anything that you want me to do. Just raise, there's no shame. This is a safe place. Look around. Okay, lots of us, me included, right? You start making deals with God quick when you walk in and realize, oh, no, there's a test today, and you have not studied, and so you're you're bartering with God. I'll give you my first child to be your servant in your house forever. That's some Old Testament stuff. Here's the deal. You, You can't just have that happen without having studied at all. Now, I I think a more appropriate prayer is, dear God, I've studied, I've put in the time. It's in here somewhere, but God, you know how I struggle to remember it. Now, that's probably true for a lot of us too. And so you pray, God, please give me some good recall. Help me. That at least shows you've put in the time and maybe at that point it can come back. My point with this is if you never spend any time studying this book, seeing who Jesus was, trying to grow in knowledge of the gospel, when you get to that moment and you're like, all right, Holy Spirit, I've done no work. I've prepped zero. Give me some words to speak for you. You got nothing. You've got to do your part, which is open this book. Now, I won't have you raise your hands because I know probably every hand would go up. Most of us don't like reading. We're so busy, and this is just not something we enjoy doing. I have to tell you, though, There's nothing more important you can do as a Christ follower than open this book, see what Jesus is about, study the scriptures, hide them in your heart, and then when you are in those situations, I believe the Holy Spirit will bring some of that stuff back to your mind so you can use it to be a good witness. We've got to be in our Bibles. But the question is, do you believe that the Holy Spirit really is with you and not the person beside you, not me or Pastor Perry or Robsy or Jacob, but do you believe that the Holy Spirit is in you, Christ follower, and that he wants to do something special in your life? Because I believe that, and I don't believe that blindly. John 14, if you get none of the scripture we cover tonight, I really would love for you to get this. John 14 
Jesus says something that I think is, is difficult to believe. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus says that he wants to do great things in his people. In fact, he says greater things than he has done. Now, again, stop for a moment and consider all that we know Jesus did. Jesus walked on water. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus literally rose people from the dead. And yet, he says here, you'll do greater things than that. You don't have to raise your hand, but, but just ask yourself, do I really believe that I can do greater things than Jesus? Because on the surface, we're like, there's no way. There's no way. And I would just submit to you this hypothesis I have, which is the reason we don't see more miraculous, supernatural things that are fueled and powered by the Holy Spirit is because we just don't believe it can happen. We think it's impossible, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, I want to show you a clip that I think illustrates this. It's from probably my all-time favorite movie, and I won't tee it up much except to tell you it involves a student and a teacher, and the teacher is, is trying to get the student to do this this thing, this task, and the student doesn't believe it's possible, and now we'll watch the clip. Check it out. Love me some Star Wars. Anybody not seen that movie? No clue what that was? Okay, that's okay. You can check out Star Wars. Some of the movies are good. Uh, that's from The Empire Strikes Back, and I love, I love that last line that Yoda says to him when Luke comes up and he tells him, I don't believe it, and he said, that's why you failed. You didn't really believe that this could happen. So it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, that's silly in Star Wars. But in real life, when I tell you that the Holy Spirit can do something powerful in your life, something supernatural in your life, something that could not be explained in any other way except it's the Holy Spirit, and you don't believe that, that's why we fail. What would our community look like I'm not talking about the whole world. I'm talking about Malden, Simpsonville, Fountain, in this area of Greenville. What would it look like if everybody in this room truly began to believe that the Holy Spirit resides in us, that our hope, our peace, and our power comes from Him? What would that look like? What would your school look like? What would your home look like? What would your relationships look like? Do you believe that? Because I believe, according to Scripture, that each of us have been given a gift from the Holy Spirit. Check this out from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want to read about gifts, this is a great chapter. We'll just look at a little bit of it. Paul writes, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. If you are born again, if you are a Christian, if you have been saved, if you have passed from death to life, whatever language you want to put on that, we believe that you have been given a gift or multiple gifts by the Holy Spirit. And it may not look the same as everybody else's, and that's okay. You see that there. Hey, they're not all the same, but they come from the same place. And they're used towards the same goal, glorifying God and what it says there in that last verse, helping each other. 
Let me ask you to think about this. What gifts do you see in your own life that the Holy Spirit has given you? If I called you up on this stage and, and asked you to stand before us and say, I am confident that the Holy Spirit has gifted me to do. Now, maybe that makes you nervous to think about it, so we won't call you up on the stage, but tonight in small group, you will talk about that. What gifts do you perceive in yourself from the Holy Spirit? Maybe you've never thought about it. Maybe even as I say this and show you the scripture, you still don't believe it. Pray, ask God, God, how have you gifted me? How have you uniquely wired me and equipped me and empowered me to be used for your kingdom? Talk about it some in small groups tonight. I think it'll be good for you. Uh, I want to close with one final passage. This comes from Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. I'll just read it to you. Again, this is Paul and his prayers. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I just want to kind of break that down verse by verse for you. It's my prayer, as it was Paul's, that you would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I am talking to you, the individual, not the people around you, you. That the Holy Spirit would empower you, that Christ would be in you, that your roots would grow down deep into Him, and that you would begin to fully understand, even though you can't really fully grasp how powerful His love is. This love that compelled Christ to willingly sacrifice His life on your behalf. Having committed no sin, having done no wrong, Jesus willingly died. That's love. If we could get our heads around that, if that could become the most important thing to us instead of our social media follower count, instead of our grades, instead of our athletic exploits, if we could understand that Christ and Christ alone is what really matters in this life, it'll change everything for you. And I love that last verse there when he says that, through his power at work in us, the Holy Spirit can accomplish more than we can even imagine. Is it possible that we're not seeing these things happen because we just don't believe it can happen for us? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit wants to empower you? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit can move in you? I believe that. I believe that in my life. I pray that over my sons every night, that the Holy Spirit would just stir something inside of them first that, that he would grant that they would know him but that they would be used in powerful ways to advance the kingdom and i pray that every night over my boys but I, I pray that for you i pray that for our church that brookwood would be a place where we are truly getting it and being used by the spirit to transform the world so my final point for you this question that we'll actually leave up on the screen for you as you get ready to head out to small groups is this. What does the Holy Spirit want to empower me to accomplish for the kingdom? What does the Holy Spirit want to empower me 
to accomplish for the kingdom? I want you to ask yourself that question. I want you to pray about it, meditate on it. Maybe you already know, and when you go to small group tonight, if you have full clarity from the Spirit, you know, hey, this is it for me. God has revealed this. That's awesome. Share that. If you have no idea, that's completely okay too. One of the prayers we get led in so often here as a staff at Brookwood is very simple. It's, God, what do you want me to know? Start there. What a humble, open posture of prayer that requires. God, hey, what do you want me to know? How do you want to use me? Because I'm telling you, I believe he does want to use you. Let me pray for us, and we'll go to small group. God, thank you that your spirit is with us, that your spirit provides peace, that your spirit brings power. I pray that your people in this room would understand that you have a plan and a purpose for their lives, that we would understand and believe, truly believe that you want to use us, that your spirit wants to rise up and start revival within each of us, within our homes, within our schools, within our community. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, that you would reveal yourself, that as we seek you, that you would be found by us, that you would show us the way. We love you. We make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.